Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Richard W. Garrett is a unique activist in the field of education reform who never stops providing information and inspiration about America's youth and who eagerly collaborates to renew the future of our economy, even though he is well past what folks would consider his retirement age. In just the past several years, he has authored a book and produced a gallery of online videos aiming to make society's leaders, and all of us, more aware of the need to repair systemic problems in public elementary education. In our previous episode, Paul and I aired part one of the interview we conducted in July. Today, we present the second of two parts, hoping our audience will get to know more about the big-picture perspectives and business-like rigors of this man on a mission. We're providing links in our show notes to his videos, his book, and other ways to join in his pursuits. So here's part two of our conversation with Dick Garrett. Well, I like this connection that people do obviously see. Uh, for instance, right now, as we, as, as we speak, you know, the country is being uh, tossed and turned by uh, so much uh, unrest and uh, unease uh, over uh, matters racial, matters uh, uh, social in general, a lot of polarization going on. And a lot of it does have to do with uh, economic, uh, persistent economic injustices, etc., and uh, it, it really just does take uh, legislators and activists to understand these connections. Uh, it seems as though not everybody in these debates catches on uh, to this connection. Uh, perhaps it takes a business person uh, like yourself to, to at least be a voice for awareness of these connections. I don't think a bus- I think anybody that has studied what I've studied and looked at the facts that I've fact come to the same conclusion that the, this is, the advantage of a businessman is they get pretty hard headed mm-hmm. and they don't care how it happens. Just make it work. Right. Right. You know, and, and, but in my mind, uh, there is only one Avenue for us to take and that is education. Mm-hmm. You, you can build prison cells uh, and there's a dramatic reduction in incarcerations if the people graduate from high school and get jobs. They don't yeah. all go away, but it's a dramatic reduction. You, you Medicaid, uh, welfare payments, and so forth, they're not going to go down. They're going to go up because, as we talked about, competencies are going down. Right. So there are more and more people in a, in a system that is going to be much more demanding for educational background and training than what we've been through, those repetitive, mind-numbing assembly line jobs are going away and being done by robots. Humans are going to be running those robots, programming those robots, but -hmm. they are not going to be doing those jobs. So a high school degree is less and less valuable. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to some degree to the vocational path that you were talking about earlier. 
And yes. that, you know, you should be in, in high school, you'd be learning a different suite of things. Well, and more things. <laughs> you would be further through the chain if, if you're if all these reforms have been implemented already by the end of high school. I had a, uh, a focal focus group interview with a, a bunch of uh, black folks because uh, I wanted to talk uh, to them about education and so forth. And during that meeting, we had a debate because uh, some of the people said, I don't want a college degree. I want to get out and go to work. I want to buy a house and I want to, I want to have a child and earn a living. And that's the criteria for these international programs to support a family with one child in a house soon after graduate from high school. Whereas the others were talking about, no, no, uh, you're going to have to borrow money. You're going to have to go to school, get a degree, you know, they're both right. Mm-hmm. But in, in today's, in the past, I guess, there's been a movement to move towards vocational and there's been an outcry that you're stigmatizing a, 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 a strata of the population, yeah. you know, that they're lower class for some reason. That is, that is certainly not my belief at all. Um, these jobs are not classed necessarily. So um, we, and we need them. Germany needs them bad. Germany's got a great program for apprentices and so forth. So we need them in our society. Mm-hmm. Let their kids go to college, the second generation. Yeah. They can do that. So, yeah. 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 More of a flow between, you know, some people who sort of think of themselves as being in different sort of, whether, whether they're economic or intellectual classes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, gosh. I don't think we have time to go through all of that, do we, Bill? <laughs> oh, not necessarily, although we can certainly uh, have an interview that extends uh, into a second uh, second podcast if we want. This is really fascinating. I know you were interested, Paul, in um, uh, that whole idea of uh, equity uh, in, in the classrooms. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a phrase in, in the text that you sent me, Bill. Um, based on based on what uh, Dick's been uh, studying and, and writing about, um, you know, the phrase equality of results as being one of the metrics, you know, kind of caught up with me. And I mean, I think that I, I gather that's usually thought of as bringing the lower tail, so to speak, up, you know, toward the toward the average. Um, and of course, you know, I look at it from a perspective, my, you know, my personal experience with, with the public education system is growing up in a rural Indiana school district being a gifted kid and not really not having much opportunity to go anywhere with that and there being certain yeah i mean there's there's just a lot of difficulty that uh, i've encountered in my life because i just wasn't prepared for how the world really works outside you know that that little rural uh, part of the part of the country and so i was wondering you know, to what degree are we talking about really bringing the lower end up, which badly needs to be done? And to what degree are we trying to talk about moving the the the, the middle up? And to what degree are, or is there any space in all of this discussion for, you know, the kids who are already sort of in some sense, you know, at the top of the curve, you know, being able to really live at more of their potential as well? You mean the top of the curve that hadn't been discovered? But yeah, in some sense, you know, I mean, because yeah. some of us get lost, right? You know, so, some of us really sort of get out, you know, we have intellectual ability and we sort of don't necessarily, you know, gain the skills to navigate 
the world of business industry, you know, we might gravitate toward academia um, just because by just, just just by default, because we, you know, emulate our teachers and that's what they think or emulate our professors and think that's what's best. We don't really, you know, I mean, I guess this bleeds off into the question of sort of career and business literacy and what we're hoping you know, we need the met. You know, the metrics you're talking about of like reading competency and mathematics competency, and you know, being able to balance a checkbook or or do anything in a spreadsheet, all of those skills. But what are also are, are we also looking at sort of life skills in terms of? And this is what networking looks like, and this is what you know an actual job search looks like, and this is how you should build a career. And you know, these these are different uh, options you have for doing things like that. I I. I don't think Maryland would be talking about that at all. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, what one of the things they do do, they have a lot of internships, mm-hmm. so you can actually get out and work and see what it's like and what they look for in candidates and things like that. Yeah, and that would be invaluable. Yeah. The the thing that I would add personally, if I had any influence, is the emphasis of carry on character and grit. Mm-hmm. Because the antidote to the kids that are in those classrooms that are not behaving properly, uh, and, and I will say in the classrooms in my book, 23% of the kids were that way, but I write, hey, yeah. you guys, remember 77% are doing just fine. Yeah. You know, the whole uh, population gets uh, scorched by mm-hmm. uh, a small number of, of these people. Um, if we could teach them character and grit early on, things that their parents either don't know how to teach, haven't got time to teach, or don't have don't have these feelings, yeah. then behavior in the classroom will improve, and they'll become better citizens. If you're an English student from England, mm-hmm. and you graduate and you're not a good system, they consider it an educational failure, mm-hmm. because that is a part of their life and if you ever go to england yeah they are so nice and gentlemanly and it's just wonderful over there everybody's so polite and and the ones i've run into are so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i remember you saying uh, about a member of your family who was a, a a teacher um it was just so frustrating for him to have to spend so much time on that roughly 20% of the students who are just, you know, terrific daily discipline problems that he felt he was unnecessarily ignoring or not giving enough attention to all of the folks with that extra potential. And uh, is there, is there a systemic cure for that? Perhaps something that Kerwin uh, is looking at or something that you found in your own research? No, it, it never comes up. It never comes up in the Kerwin report that I have read. Uh, uh, from my book, uh, the teachers estimated that twenty percent, twenty-eight percent of their classroom day was wasted mm-hmm. because of these six students per class that did not behave well. The uh, really impactful thing that you learn about international. Uh, education is that there are 10 countries in this world who graduate in the 10th grade students with the knowledge of our 12th graders. Mm -hmm. Again, 
their high school ends at grade 10. Mm -hmm. They, they stay in high school. I mean, that's, that's equivalent of our high school. They stay in high school and basically take what we call AP courses. Right. They take college level courses at high school in classrooms. Therefore they don't pay tuition. So when they enter college, they're like my grandson. He was a full year ahead. They're mm -hmm. two years ahead. Now, all of those academicians are not going to like the sound of that, but um, they can end up teaching a lot of those classes, I'm sure. So that is another major deficiency in our system. It's kind of scary to think about all the kids that we have that can't be functionally capable at the end of 12 years uh, to have some of them. Uh, at age 18, we're not doing what they can do at age 16. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There are four tracks that these systems go through. That is the top, most demanding track. <laughs> so there are a lot of students that don't do that, but there are a lot of students that do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is so oh, weak we no. are. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, really, uh, time is kind of running out uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the impending uh, teacher shortage, teacher shortage crisis. And uh, we have to be building back our economy now in, in ways that we might not, not even uh, have anticipated a year ago. We need the, the best and the brightest to be at their best, both among our students and, and our teachers and leaders of all sorts. Huh? Uh, uh, is that I, I think that's driving you, uh, Dick? Even though you're you have every right to in, uh, enjoy a very comfortable retirement uh, at this point, your zeal is carrying you forward now to talk with um, Wisconsin folks, and you've talked with Indiana folks. What what's on your own personal agenda to raise more attention and get more action about this? Well, I. I am of the opinion that it ought to come from the business organizations within the states. This would be the chambers of commerce. Hmm. I, have a, I have a series of lessons now that I put out on my website to call Elevate Teachers, and, and you go to lessons, and one of the lessons is called, Who's Going to Fix This Problem? Uh, yeah. And one of the one of the things you learn is that it isn't going to come from the education community itself. No, they have. There's lived in this situation the way it is. They're probably totally beat down about money because they're always scrapping for money. They can't even envision a system that would put three point eight more billion dollars uh, in it. And so, in a state the size I, of Maryland, yeah. I read uh, all sorts of papers. Hardly any of them come from schools of education. Uh, they are not on this. Pro they are not a force for reform. No. So if, if you, uh, the politicians themselves will not rise up and reform without public pressure. And I think that pressure should be applied by the business community. They're the ones that have the biggest vested interest in this thing. They want cities and states where people want to come and live. They want graduates that they can pick off and put to work. And so I think their vested interest trumps everybody else. So 
Yeah, and in fact, it seems it seems like a golden opportunity for a new meeting of the minds between uh, the business community and the uh, grassroots uh, community activists around the country. The kinds of folks who feel so frustrated now that sometimes it leads to uh, just uh, protests in the streets, but there there could be real alliances forged at the grassroots level uh, that the common uh, the commonality of interest am i right absolutely when i met with these uh, these black folks i had to be careful uh, i have a black daughter-in-law so i'm i'm, I'm pretty open-minded uh, huh. i was very impressed with them very impressed with them their desires their ideas their thoughts were the same as everybody else's and they really want to see something happen. And when you see the rioting and the things like that that came about, uh, you know, it's, it's a powder keg waiting for the fuse to be lit and, and George Floyd's unfortunate death lit it. Yeah. But one of the greatest frustrations is they're unemployed. And one of the reasons for this is they're underskilled. Mm-hmm. And so we need to raise their skill levels and it will reduce a lot of frustration. Yeah, yeah. So the avenue that you're pursuing is the, uh, the uh, business community or, or expression of the business uh, stakeholder voice in, in all of these things. Are you seeing any hopes of progress? Uh, Maryland seems to be uh, on the right track. Uh, the Kerwin Commission has kind of set a template that can be followed in in other places. Uh, are, do, you, do you see increasing reasons for hope? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but you're absolutely right. The Maryland Commission is a wonderful template. That will dramatically simplify. If you read those 270-some-odd pages, it has to do with standards for new teachers, standards for art teachers, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You don't have to re-visualize uh, uh, that if you're in Indiana or in Wisconsin or in Ohio. You can just take those sections, assuming they will let you, and I think they will, uh, and then worry more about uh, other issues that are more unique to your state. I think the first thing that what I'm trying to do, and I tried to do this with Indiana with some people that um, – I don't think it would. they would like for me to bring it up, mm-hmm. but to have a meeting of uh, some movers and shakers and have these experts come in and say, look, you know, only 40% of your kids out of high school, and I'm, that's the Maryland number. It will be one for Illinois and one for Wisconsin and so forth, uh, will um, be prepared to go to work in the marketplace or go on to college. Is that where you want to be? Is that is that the way you want to raise your kids? Do you want to be competing against students in Singapore that graduate in the 10th grade and go on well beyond the, the levels of most of our students in college? Uh, that's what Maryland decided, that they're neither where they thought they were nor are they where they want to be. That's what Kerwin says in one of his uh, testimonies to the house uh, neither where they thought they were nor where they want to be 
And I believe that every state in the union, for example, I've been researching Wisconsin, researching uh, Wisconsin shows that the gap between whites and blacks is the biggest of any state in the union. Hmm. I mean, I don't think most people here know that. Right. Uh, Basically, what we're saying is that they're, they're doing the worst job of educating their poor of anybody in the country. And uh, I think they'd be surprised to find that. Yeah, I so, think so. That's an equity issue. That's a justice issue that somehow doesn't make it into the media. Well, the, yeah. the uh, it's, a, it's such a challenge. I'm a big fan of uh, Jeffrey Canada. You know who he is? The Harlem's mm. Children's Zone. Oh, Yes. Yeah, you have a video about uh, their work. That's one of my mm-hmm. lessons. Did you look at yes. that? Yes, yeah, very they impressive. Created, they created a reverse gap. They mm-hmm. created a situation where the black kids' scores were higher than the whites. Look, there you go. Yeah. That is so comforting to uh, somebody like us yeah. who wants to see this change. Um, but it is a Big, huge, expensive effort. Uh, one that, in my opinion, we ought to undertake because it has a return on the investment. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, are there, uh, and I do want to give a shout out to uh, the really great work that you've done uh, in uh, that website uh, on those videos. And uh, we'll we'll put a uh, the URL for that website and the, the that video gallery uh, in our show notes accompanying the podcast. So uh, okay. I'd like all people to to see that. Any other uh, kind of final suggestions about uh, you know what to keep our uh, eyes on right now as election day approaches or as things get uh, more more dicey or more filled with potential perhaps uh, in uh, in a rather turbulent time of uh, America's life well one one thing about the lessons uh, I quit at 20 because uh, I, I wanted to go into production at 20 I have at least 10 more lessons that I will produce there's two lessons planned on teachers Great. so how can I ha- how can I have lessons on education if I haven't gotten the teachers yet so that will that will grow. Right now, I'm trying to figure out how to market what I've got, and then I can always add to it. Um, I, I just don't know. I, mean, I, I get so frustrated uh, about people's indifference. People's, yeah. uh, like I said to you, uh, if I could write an article, uh, I would title it, If You Know What I'd Know, You'd be very worried, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How can you look at this data? How can you not understand the basis in our economy of a good educational program? The the few top students, our top students are better than most of the students in the world. Right. Uh, But they're only at the very upper tail. Uh, How you can't let the country run on, you know, 10 percent of its people. Yeah, the country yeah. has to run on the, all of us. Yeah, and 
why we don't understand it, why we, why we continue to want to have, as uh, Mark Tucker says, our strategy for teachers is keep them cheap. Yeah. You know, they are always right on the edge. They're always uh, underpaid. Yeah. And, and part of that is because the public doesn't realize how difficult that job is. Uh, yeah. Most yeah. of them see them getting off for the summer and so forth. Uh, if, if, it were, if I were the king and we raised the salaries, mm-hmm. I would immediately go to 12-month uh, school, mm-hmm. and I'd have longer days and, 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 for some of the kids, more days in the week. Uh, I would yeah. never want a situation where social promotion was common. It might happen, but it needs to be very, very unlikely. And the way you get that to happen is you prepare them before they get to the third grade uh, graduate program, and they can't read at the third grade. You you know what they do today is they boom on anyway, and mm-hmm. uh, and there aren't any late bloomers in the reading field. If they don't know, they're going to go many many <laughs> grades and not know. Yeah. So my biggest frustration is everybody says so what or so who's going to do something about that? And part of that is such a huge complicated problem. And uh, I'm meeting with a a friend who was a former executive, actually worked for Dick Cheney. He's helped me strategize an approach uh, that we might be able to use to break through. But, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, I hope so. Because there really is no one who's more open to collaboration and conversation with all, all the different stakeholder Groups and there's even though it's not covered well by the media, there must be loads of folks in the educational realm who who see things at least uh, in in a general way the way you do. You bring the extra business precision to it, but there must be people uh, who need to uh, need to just collaborate more and step out and take that risk of taking a taking a stand uh, that's going to cost some money and uh, take a lot of uh, energy and, and maybe make, make people uh, uh, go into their uh, uh, discomfort zones, but it just has to be done. I want you to help me with that. Fair enough. <laughs> and we, hope this, we hope this podcast helps. Hope yeah, it does good. a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, we thank you. Uh, this is really great to talk with you, uh, Dick. And um, uh, yes, indeed, we will be uh, keeping in touch and um, we'll be looking for the extra uh, uh, content on the video site and our show notes will uh, give uh, our uh, audience uh, more information on how to find out more about you, including a, an article I was privileged to write about you for the uh, Purdue uh, College of Engineering last year. That's how we got to meet. Uh, and I know that uh, education is one of uh, Paul's really great uh, loves as well. And so uh, uh, we're rooting for you. And thank you for being an ongoing force of information and inspiration. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host, Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.